Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ball Sport Podcast with me, Sam Matthews Bowman. The Premier League season is now over, with Manchester City champions and the chords of Blue Moon ringing over Manchester. For Fulham, Sheffield United and West Brom, things were slightly less positive, as relegation now means that next season will be another stuck in the Championship. But for this episode, instead of looking back, we're going to be looking forward to the European finals, which are coming ahead this week on Wednesday and Saturday. So today I'm joined by the usual trio, Jack McRae, Mitchell Ryan and Ben Northcott. And before we get started, we will have a quick little look back at the Premier League season for each of your respective clubs, guys. So Mitchell and Ben, as as you're probably aware, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, are quite passionate City fans. <laughs> so I can imagine that, that. <laughs> can imagine that you're both quite positive about how this Premier League season has gone for your club? Again, yeah, sure. could say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, did you kind of expect this dominance at the start of the season? Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, there was a point where I was I was actually, um, I think it was after the, the draw with Liverpool um, or maybe the loss against Spurs where I, I went into the kitchen in my with my flatmates and just said, look, I've given it up, guys. The the, t- the titles, whoever's now, mm-hmm. like Billy, you're a Spurs fan. Go enjoy yourself. How stupid <laughs> does that sound now? Um, but yeah, it, it's been a massive turnaround, and full credit to Pep and obviously the squad for making that happen. Mm-hmm. And and Ben, what? Where does City go from here, effectively? Do you need well, a Harry Kane? Do you need an Erling Haaland in the summer? Um, well, I think the strike would obviously be useful. I mean, City have shown throughout the season they can operate rather well without a striker. I think going into the season, City had some problems from the previous season, which wasn't necessar- which weren't necessarily too bad. City still got 81 points last season, which would have been enough to win the league this year. But I think there were a few problems. Uh, the media narrative is that the defence weren't standing up very well to counterattacks, which I think is true, but it's a little bit of a simplification of City's problems. Obviously, David Silva left, and, and there was a big issue. I wrote an article about it at the start of the year, a big issue about how City were going to replace him. Uh, City's pressing was never quite right last year, possibly lacking the energy or the positioning in the final third. And also City's finishing was diabolical at times last season, characterised by that stealing miss against Leon. But it was really a theme throughout last season and the start of this season. All of those four problems really got worse um, at the start of this season. But I think after about November, December, they started to sort themselves out. We saw Diaz and Stones would have a brilliant partnership at the back and the defence did seem to be standing up to counter-attacks. We've seen Gundogan step into David Silva. Um, firstly, just sort of, playing the passes together with a sort of brilliant powers attribute and sort of keeping everything ticking and keeping everything patient when City are on the ball. Guardiola has mentioned many times in press conferences that actually one of the problems with City is they're trying to rush it too much, they're trying to play too quickly, too much in the transitions. And actually City, when they slow things down and play much more patient football, and I think Ilkay Gundogan and actually Rodri's improvement, those forms dropped off a bit recently, were really mm-hmm. important to that. Um, in terms of pressing, again, it's the same sort of thing. I thought City were very frantic with pressing, and Guardiola's again said, I think the thing with City's pressing is it's more uh, for their positioning and the fact that with Gundogan, with Bernardo Silva, instead of pressing really high and really fast, it's more been about sort of slowing it down and just getting in the right positions to block those passing lanes and actually win the ball back, which City have been doing a lot more effectively. 
And then we've seen Gundogan with loads of goals, as well as Foden and Mahrez and others chipping in with goals. Um, so the absence of Aguero has not been noticed too much. Uh, do I think City need a striker? Probably yes. But um, but but yeah, I think I think those problems have mostly been solved, which were four really key problems from the previous season. Mm-hmm. And and we'll discuss City more later on, and as particularly their final this Saturday. So Jack has kind of been the opposite, I think we could say for for mm. Arsenal. While while all of Man City's problems have been solved, and we're talking about names such as Kane and Haaland, I think it's basically the opposite with Arsenal, isn't it? Where do you finish in the end, tenth or ninth? It's not been an amazing season, has it? Where do, where does Arsenal go from here? Uh, well, where to be? I'll, I'll start positively and then work backwards towards the beginning of the season. Uh, because mm-hmm. the last 24 games, say the season started at Christmas, which unfortunately it doesn't, Arsenal <laughs> actually second in the table over those last four, 24 games. And since the introduction of Emil Smith-Rowe, who for me is, I would say, player of the season, a lot of players coming back into form. Nicola Pepe has been unbelievable the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. scoring two on the weekend, two against Palace, uh, one against West Brom. And this finishing eighth could be a blessing in disguise as we've avoided the Europa Conference League, which... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't. I don't envy Spurs for finishing seventh and taking that spot because it gives Arteta the whole week to work on the training ground with the players, and also allows us to trim down our squad because the squad. Moving now towards the more negative parts, we've got an old, <laughs> like aging squad with players on too high wages, and this summer should see a real cull of that core group of players who've just got a weak mentality so the likes of William's been completely dropped from the squads recently uh the likes of Zabios going back to Madrid Kalasnach has already been out on loan and is most likely leaving um the likes of Bellerin's going he's had a real falling off of form this last year which is quite sad to see because he's quite a fan favorite but it there are lots of positive signs to be drawn from this season but the issue this season has been the period just before Christmas, before the Chelsea game. There were, I think it was a run of eight games where we got two points. We This season, we've dropped six points against Aston Villa, six points against Wolves, five points against Burnley. And if we had that extra 17 points from get those games that we should have won, we would have been in second. So, what would you say would be a good season next season for Arsenal then? Is it top six? Is it challenging for the top four? Or do you think if fourth we... is a good season? Like, if I were to say next season, would you take fifth, but challenging for the top four? Would you take that? I, just where are Arsenal at the moment? Um, it, I guess it does. This summer is in, incredibly crucial for Arsenal to get the recruitment right because over the past few years, the, the recruitment policy has been absolutely shocking. Um, we're like we're linked with the likes of Buendia from Norwich, Basuma from Brighton, um, and there's also links to like the likes of Grealish of Camavinga, who are way beyond possibility. Um, so it really depends 
on whether the Cronkies invest, which I don't think they will. Um, and I do feel as if Arteta's not going to get all the funds he needs to fix the side. So if the summer's good, hopefully pushing for top four, maybe like sneaking, particularly with that Europa League or Conference League to distract the team. If the recruitment's poor, I uh, it's not it's not going to be a good season again. Mm. But yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. I think I think this is going to be a really vital summer for Arsenal because you mentioned the names they're linked with as much as Basuma and Buendia are very good players. I mean, it almost sounds as if Arsenal's becoming something of uh, Everton. Almost you're becoming a second-rate side, a second-tier side. Um, I don't know. I, I think that'd be quite good signings, personally. Uh, I, I, I quite, I quite rate the both of them. I, I think they're much more inspiring signings than William, for example. Yeah, but you'd rather you'd take a Camavinga, who Arsenal a couple of years ago would have been within their sights over a Buendia. I mean, Buendia, he's how old is he now? Twenty five, twenty six. He's twenty four, I think. Twenty four. He's done well for he's done well for Norwich. He's done very well for Norwich. But that's a very certain level. He's shone in quite a average, a best team by Premier League standards. So whether he could make that step step up would be interesting to see. But yeah, I think I think this is going to be a very big summer for Arsenal. And Arsenal, one of the teams, unfortunately, did not make it into the Europa League final, which we'll mm. be discussing now. I mean, they went down to Unai Emery and Villarreal, which was quite humiliating against the man who effectively became a meme towards the end of his Arsenal career. Um, but instead, it's going to be Manchester United up against Villarreal, which should be quite a tricky test for Villarreal. Um, so, Manchester United, shall we just briefly touch on? Did you expect them to do this well at the start of the season, Mitchell? Did you expect them to be in the European final and finish second? No, not at all. Um, I think... Honestly, I feel like the start of the season was such an anomaly. Like, everything was wrong in the world, you know. <laughs> Spurs were winning. Um, flipping Liverpool was still sort of on form. Uh, City were in, like, eighth. Um, Arsenal was still losing, but, you know. Um, <laughs> to be fair, they like just like Jack said, though, they have picked it up a lot, so fair play. But, yeah, United were in a bit of a rough spot at the start of the season, weren't they? And I, I really didn't expect them to be this close. I thought, surely, surely this would be the season that Solskjaer gets the boot. But no, fair play to him. He's, <laughs> he's done really well and he's he's certainly kept yeah. them up there. Um, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a bit less convinced. Sweet. You think? All right. To be perfectly honest. Um, they, only did amass, they only did amass 74 points, which is probably normally you'd expect to get a third or fourth for 74 points. So there have been seasons where that's not even been enough to get in the top four. I remember one year Wenger got 75 points and finished fifth. So I don't think it's a particularly good points tally. In terms of the Europa League, well, it was bitterly disappointing getting knocked out of the Champions League. They really should have got through that group. The team that actually beat them, um, Istanbul Basakşehir, actually got relegated from the Turkish League. So that, that was a, a re- really poor, poor start to the Champions League campaign. And to be honest... Looking at the, the teams in the Europa League, I think it's a really, really poor selection this year in the Europa League. So the idea that they wouldn't get through to the final, that, that would have been a bit of failure, not getting through to the final, when when the teams they were up against, in my opinion, were really poor outfits. So I, I think they've done okay. 
But 74 points, Europa League final, knocked out the Champions League. I think the jury's out still on Solskjaer. I really do. Yeah, I agree with you, to be honest, Ben. I've never really been very taken by Solskjaer. I think he's very limited tactically and seems to think he's this great man-manager when I do not really see it, to be honest. But, Ben, you've kind of shown some kind of knowledge of how Villarreal have done and their players this season, which yeah. I, must, I must admit I kind of lack. So, Ben, what kind of threats do they pose? Are they are they going to really challenge Manchester United? Well, I'd, I'd fully expect United to win. I do think Villarreal are, are a Europa League standard side in Spain. I think if it were Sevilla or... Um, or Inter Milan, who got to last year's final. I, I would have, I, I thought, I would have thought it'd be a really tough game for United, and I might even put United second favourites if they were against Sevilla, for example, especially without Maguire. But I just, Vera some really good players. I think Gerard Moreno up front is a fantastic striker. Probably should be Spain's number one striker, in my opinion. He gets hatful of goals and assists, um, and has been involved in almost every goal they've created in the second half of this season. Um, they've also got a really good centre-back in Pau Torres, who you'd expect to start alongside um, Americ Laporte at centre-back um, for Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Spain's new signing at centre-back. Um, and and so he's a really good player in the defence. And they did recruit well at the start of the season. They managed to make the most of the the um, fire sale at Valencia, their, their rivals, and they took in Coquelin and, um, and uh, Barejo. So they've recruited well. They do have a good side, but I really very much think they are a Europa League side um, and United, I think, are a Champions League quality side and this should um, should be a win for United. Uh, Villarreal played Real Madrid on the weekends and they did actually go 1-0 up and I thought they were quite unlucky to lose 2-1 against Real Madrid. But then Real Madrid, I don't think, are that good at the moment. So uh, I think that sort of tells you where, where they are and, and I would expect United to win. But I think Emery's a good manager and I, they've got a chance, of course, it's a final. Um I'd expect United to win. Yeah, you, you mentioned Emery there, Ben. I mean, in the past, he's as as I was mentioning, he he didn't have a particularly good spell at Arsenal, but he's a perennial Europa League winner. He's done it three times, I think, was it with um, with Sevilla? Yeah. And um, so, Jack, coming on to you, what do you think about Emery? What's what's his legacy at Arsenal, and do you think he's good enough to take this Villarreal side to victory against Man United? It's a, it's difficult because he clearly is a very good manager. Um, I I don't think any Arsenal fan ever doubted that. The main issues were communication, which were the main source of jokes like jibes towards him. Um, but the, strange thing with Emery, he has a tendency just to almost when Guardiola-esque playing a weird team in the semi or quarterfinals against Lyon last year. At Arsenal, he was playing Luca Torreira as a number 10. He was playing Aubameyang as sort of like a left midfielder. Stefan Licksteiner at times as a right midfielder. He has a tendency to play these weird out-of-position formations that tend to blow up in his face. You saw when he was managing PSG against Barcelona, the complete collapse. And his sides tend to be quite weak mentally and can't hold on to leads. But They did against Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but they weren't... Arsenal really should have won the game over the two legs. 
Villarreal didn't win it because they were a particularly good side. It was just Arsenal were calamitous in both legs. I mean, the second leg, Aubameyang hit the inside of the post and it bounced out. Had plenty of chances. I just couldn't find the, the one goal that would have turned the tide. But for, you were mentioning all the how strong their squad is. And the one player who I thought when they played Arsenal was their best player was this was Sammy Chukwese. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. On the right wing, who was actually stretched off in the second leg, and he's a doubt for the final. And I, be- I believe if he is fit and can start, I personally don't think Luke Shaw is as good as people say he is. He's had a very good season, but he's still the Luke Shaw we know and love, who is often out of position often lapses of concentration. And I feel Chukwesi, with his pace in particular, could really exploit that right down their right-hand side and United's left. And I do think they've got a strong chance. Because Emery, is he? I think he beat Solskjaer, or he drew with Solskjaer when Arsenal played. Uh, he definitely, I oh know, he beat him once and drew to him a second time. So he's already got one up over Solskjaer uh, in their previous games. So there's a strong chance Emery will tactically uh, overcome United. Uh, the issue is United's squad is so much stronger than Villarreal, who have their in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Chukwesi up against Luke Shaw as well. Another big miss for Man United is Harry Maguire. I never really thought I'd say big miss alongside the name Harry Maguire, but Ever since he's been out, United's defence has struggled. And as you were mentioning, Ben, Gerard Moreno up up top, up against the centre-back pairing of one or two of Lindelof, Bailly and um, Twanzibi, it's, it's, it's not ideal for Manchester United. And I think they could really struggle against against the Villarreal attack. But it's all shaping up to be quite a good game. So I think I'm going to go round quickly for each of your predictions ahead of this final. So, Mitchell, Man United or Villarreal? Um, I hate I hate to do this, but I have to say United. Oof. I hate it. I know, I know, but I just I, I see them coming out on top. Ben, are you going to betray your Manchester City loyalties as well? And I am, I am going to say United. I do think United will win. Um, but you are right; it's a, it is a mismatch because Moreno is a fantastic forward. He's, I've just looked up; he's got twenty three goals this season in the Liga. He's, mm. he's a really great striker. So it, that's the glimmer of hope with no Maguire and Moreno up front. And Jack, will will Arsenal's uh, meme manager come through? Uh, n- just, just for to make it interesting, I'm going to say Villarreal are going to nick it. Very nice. Um, it, I think it's heavily dependent on if Trukwesi comes back, and depends who starts in goal as well. Because Rudy against Arsenal looked and what like any second away from a nightmare. Um, but if Sergio Asenjo starts. Yeah. Um, Asenjo's had some had some problems as well. I think uh, when I was watching a bit of the the game on the weekend, and um, I think really was actually playing on the weekend, but the commentators were, were weren't particularly um, complimentary about Asenjo. They said he'd struggled oh. quite a bit coming for crosses. So <laughs> m- m- maybe not. Maybe. 
But yeah. I'm, I'm still going to say they'll nick it, just. I'm going to agree with you, Jack. I'm very much just like Manchester United with a passion. So I'm going to go <laughs> quite an exact, exact score. I'm going to go 3-1 Villarreal. Al, what's his name? Alberto Moreno at left back, ex Liverpool. He'll <laughs> he'll turn Wambasaka inside out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moreno will score a couple, and and Villarreal will come out on top. But ultimately, the Europa League is Europe's second competition, and the main event, I think we can all agree, is the game coming up on Saturday between Chelsea and Manchester City. I think. A lot of people at the start of the season would not have seen Chelsea anywhere near the Champions League final. Mm. But they've made it here. And this season, they actually have a very good record up against Guardiola's Man City. So I think they've got two wins, am I right, out of three games. And that means that what might have been, if you just looked at it on paper, quite a foregone conclusion, is in fact shaping up to be a very interesting games so um mitchell those two games i talked about did mm. chelsea win in those games because thomas tuchel tactically out thought guardiola or was it because of city's rotation um that's a tricky one i, I think both you know uh tuchel's tactics and guardiola's rotation obviously played a part in it um I think the FA Cup one was bitterly unlucky, uh, but you know, it, I, I don't think I honestly. I sort of wanted City to lose in that semi-final because I felt like we, we couldn't go the whole fake fan. To, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, no, obviously, like not. Obviously, it wasn't God. I, I sure hope City lose today. That, that's what I'm really rooting for here. No, of course, like obviously, I want City to win everything that they can, but I just felt like City had to lose something to keep them in gear for the rest of the season. I feel like if we'd just gone and advanced to the FA Cup final, there's a chance that Leicester Peters there, uh, which would probably have been more heartbreaking, in my opinion, to lose in the final. Um, or, you know, I just felt like we needed a, a good kick up the arse to get us going again. Um, and Chelsea provided that, but the the second game was was a, a, a bit of a weird one for me because I, I felt like City played well, especially in the first half, um, and then obviously that Aguero miss sort of uh, messed us up a bit. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if it's like it can be boiled down to just Tuchel's tactics or Guardiola's rotation. I think they're both very good teams both fairly evenly matched at the moment in terms of form. But I think two calls, Chelsea are just sort of, you know, a bit of new manager bounce, bit of things starting to click finally, communicating. Um, and yeah, they, they Chelsea deserved at least one out of those two wins, in my opinion. Um, and it's going to be a really close, close affair on the day. Mm. One of the things that has kind of, stood out for me about Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea is their formation is relatively weak. They have these three up front, usually Werner, Mason Mount and one of Hakim Ziyech and Christian Pulisic. So those wingers, Mount and Pulisic, let's say, on either side, they usually cut in 
and create quite an overload on the two center halves. So obviously Ruben Diaz and John Stones have been two of um, City's strongest players this season. But Ben, do you think that trio, that Chelsea trio, could potentially find space between City's centre backs and full backs? And um, yeah. I'm actually relatively confident, and I, I don't, I don't want to come off confident and then lose. But I, I do think City <laughs> will be the better team um, on the weekend. I think I don't think Chelsea's underlying stats have been too bad, but I think they have hit a bit of a rocky patch. They obviously lost to Leicester and they lost to Aston Villa on the weekend. I think Werner seems to be great at scoring whenever he's offside, but hopeless at scoring whenever he's onside. Um, so he's very good at finding space, just in offside positions. Uh, I think I think Mount's been playing well, but I think from what I've been reading about Chelsea, Pulisic and Ziyech have struggled a bit for form in, in the recent few games. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether Kai Havertz is fit to come back into that front three, because I think he could get the nod, just because I think Pulisic and Ziyech have struggled a bit. Um, but I... I think Diaz and Stones did so well in the semi-final against PSG in both legs. And Walker did brilliant as well. And I think Zinchenko has been playing brilliantly. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the back four. Um, so uh, Chelsea did quite well in the counter-attack in the FA Cup game against City. I thought in the league game against City that Chelsea won, uh, City sort of lined up with a 4-1-5 formation with no midfielders at all because they were all rested. Um, and then even then, City were very unlucky to lose considering that Aguero missed the penalty and Sterling should have had a penalty at the, at the end from Zuma's sort of 15 touches on him. So it, it did feel a bit like City with a better team but lost even though City played the team without a midfield. Mm-hmm. So I think... I think City should go in as favourites, but obviously it's a final, so so I don't I don't think well, obviously anything can happen. Could be famous last words, Ben. Could be famous last words. Well, it's um, better to stick your neck on the line than um. <laughs> true, true. Um, I I think Chelsea are a real force to be reckoned with. To be absolutely honest, I think they. I've mentioned their attack. They've got space. They've got quality. They've got finishing ability. Apart from Timo Werner. And they've got a very strong defence as well. So I think Thiago Silva has proved to be still very much at the top of his game. I mean, every single game, he's in the right place. He heads the ball away, he intercepts through balls. So, Jack, do you think this is a foregone conclusion? Do you think... Yes. You do? Everyone's good Chelsea. I, I don't see Chelsea standing a chance. Um. I don't particularly think this... I think this Chelsea side have been quite lucky that everyone else around them has been as terrible as they have been because this Chelsea side really isn't, with the exception of a few players, really is quite poor, in my opinion. Um, Over the... In the Champions League semi-finals, N'Golo Kante was phenomenal, but he had to pretty much carry Jorginho on his back the whole game. Um, Their recent form has been... Woeful against Arsenal, they dominated the game, but and a mistake from Jorginho let Millsmith throw score, but they didn't offer anything going forward. And they're so, in my opinion, they're quite poor going forward. And they play this quite pragmatic but dull style of football. And I do think City are just going to blitz through them, personally. Yeah, the only thing I, I mean, 
in the Carabao Cup final, City should have beat Spurs about 4-0. And it was only 1-0 with a header with about 10 minutes to go, even though Spurs didn't have a kick. One thing yeah. I would say is Chelsea have a much better defence than Spurs. If City are wasteful in front of goal, Chelsea a bit more solid. I think we could see a bit of a shootout where it could be a 0-0 or a 1-0. And if it does go to penalties, it does look like Mendy is going to be fit. Um, if there's one player I could choose for Chelsea to be injured, it would be Mendy. Um, it does look like Mendy is going to be fit and he is a good goalkeeper and he is very big in the goal. So my only worry is that it is a bit of a shootout, a scrappy nil-nil and City can't put the chances away. And Chelsea get a bit lucky and then Chelsea win on pens or sort of scrape a goal. But I do. I agree with Jack that City are in better form and the better team. We can't forget that Chelsea, as much as Real Madrid are hardly the Real Madrid of recent years, they did dominate them over two legs. And and they were very impressive in those two legs from what I saw. Admittedly, Man City were also also dominant against PSG and impressively so. But I think Chelsea in that Real Madrid game really showed that they can step up and and improve themselves against against the very best in Europe. Um we haven't actually talked about that Man City PSG game. So mm. um Mitchell, Man City to be honest, that absolutely blew me away. I said, I think, on the group chat that we have that it was yeah. the best performance that I've seen under Guardiola. Admittedly, I have seen nowhere near as many as you. <laughs> but were you were you surprised just, just how good City were? I mean, their passing, their movement was all on, on a level of kind of 2010 to 11 Guardiola at Barcelona rather than the City and Bayern Munich that I've seen over the last few years. Mm, um, I think I was... Maybe not surprised by how good City were because obviously, yeah, they they were outstanding on the day and, um, you know, played some amazing football. But I, I think the thing that surprised me more about the game was PSG and how quickly it all just went to pot for them. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's a question you were going to ask later. Sorry about that. No, but, that's um, fine. They just, they just, everything just seemed to capitulate for them. And as City just started to kick into gear and move up and, you know, were putting together some really nice flowing moves. Um, obviously, everything being orchestrated in the middle of the park, the, the sheer volume of midfielders on the pitch, just making it like a seamless passing game. And PSG just lost their heads. That Di Maria kick on Fernandinho, I think, was disgraceful. Um and, you know, he should know better than that. He's been in the game for how many years now? He knows exactly how off the pitch like that um, with, you know, however many cameras on him. Um, I, I'm genuinely quite surprised more PSG players didn't get sent off in that <laughs> game. I think Verratti was giving it his best go to get, uh, get an early bath, but obviously uh, only the yellow for him, but it just it just all seemed to fall apart with PSG right when they needed to keep their heads. And I think that was the telling difference between the two teams. Yes, City were amazing. Um, yes, PSG played poorly in patches. And obviously, as their discipline fell, their, their you know, quality of play also tumbled. But I think the, the actual togetherness and teamwork of both sides was telling on the day. And had PSG kept it together... Who knows? It could have been um, a significantly closer affair, but you know, as it is, City kept their heads, and they're the ones in the final. So, Ben, would you say that's kind of that game, or those couple of games, were kind of a quasi-final? 
judging by you effectively saying that the final is a foregone conclusion. So would you say that PSG are far better than Chelsea, effectively? Well, I'm not sure I'd say they're far better, but I do think they're better. Um, I think PSG suffered a little bit with not having Mbappe in the second leg. I think Neymar seems to be trying to do everything himself, which was sort of uh, his fault because it made their attacks very one-dimensional. But also, I guess, the fault of the players around him for not really stepping up. Um, but I do think PSG are definitely a better side than Chelsea. I think they've got better players. Um, and I did think City were quite comfortably the better team certainly in the second half of both games. But I think they sort of kept PSG at arm's length in the first half of the second leg as well. But that and City did come through the, that tie sort of very comfortably. That being said, it is a final. Chelsea do have a very robust defence. Um, I'm not sure I'd say it's a foregone conclusion. I think I said that City are definitely the better team. And even if City lose, I'll, I'll stand by that. Um, mm-hmm. But I... In some ways, you could say that PSG are a better side than Chelsea, which I, which I, I think they are. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that it's going to be a more comfortable game than the final, because we've seen before that finals can be quite cagey. In the in the Carabao Cup final a couple of years ago, when Sarri was Chelsea, Chelsea 6-0 a few weeks prior, and then in the final, it was a really close, cagey game that went to penalties. So it, it just because just one team's better than the other, it, especially in a final. It's the same with the European final. I think one thing's better than the other. It could still be quite a tight game. Mm. Especially as um, there's an article on the board today, I should say, that was published today by James Oware, which was on Thomas Tuchel's tactics and how he's bringing kind of the pragmatic, kind of more defensively minded approach back into European football after it kind of fell away following the success of Mourinho and Benitez in the 2000s and Tuchel as much as his record in finals is average he knows how to get his team to defend we've seen how much he's shored up Chelsea since he came in I mean they were shipping quite a few goals under Frank Lampard and I think in this final he he knows how to set his team up and seemingly from this season he knows how to set his team up against Manchester City so if he does this, and I think I'm on my own pretty much when I say this, I think I'm I'm backing Chelsea in this game. I think Tuchel will set them up well. I think he'll set them up defensively. But on the ta- counter-attack, Chelsea have pace in abundance. Mount is, is deceptively pacey. They've got Timo Werner, who is a terrible footballer, but could, could put in a decent shift on the 100-metre track. And they've also got Christian Pulisic, who... If he breaks beyond those City defenders, I mean, Zinchenko you're mentioning, but uh, Ben, he's a very good player, but he's not the quickest. If they can exploit that and exploit John Stones, who, as much as he's had a good season, I don't particularly rate him. And I'm actually thinking Chelsea are slight favourites, even for this tie. But... I think I'm pretty much alone in this group when I say that. So, um, Jack, do you think do you think I'm just walking on water and I'm going to drown pretty quickly, or, or or do you think I've got I've um, maybe right in what I'm saying or not? No, you're not right. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Well, it's it's you you mentioning the <clears throat> sorry the the pace Chelsea have on the attack, mm-hmm. but. The likes of Ziek isn't particularly quick. He's had a lot. Sorry, a lot of criticism has been aimed towards Ziek over the last few weeks for 
how he almost stops the counter-attack. He cuts back onto his left foot before trying to play a long ball and mm-hmm. ends up wasting their attacks. Mason Mount's a brilliant player. Uh, I really, really like him. But again, going forwards, Havertz hasn't quite worked out. Uh, Pulisic is patchy. Werner's not very good. And <laughs> this city de- this city defence is has been impenetrable at times this season. And I don't see Chelsea being the ones to suddenly turn this tide, mm. personally. But they've they've turned this tide twice this season, Jack. They've tu- they've beaten Chelsea. Yeah. They have beaten Chelsea twice. I mean, they might not have deserved to beat Chelsea twice, <laughs> but they have done it, and that that shows something. Surely, it shows that they can defend, and it shows that they do score goals against against Manchester City. So, yeah, greatest scoring goals against Zach Steffen and City's reserve team. Yeah, because the the league. It's a quality victory. player, Zach Steffen. <laughs> the league. <laughs> the league victory for. Chelsea, it's it was a nothing game for City. They had the Champions League. It, it, their minds. If it was a close title race, I'm sure they would have taken it a lot more seriously. But they were playing a, like a three-one-four-one-one <laughs> formation. Or something. It was a weird formation. It was, and City really should have won that game. Really, you mentioned the Zuma tackle earlier, which I have no idea how that's not a penalty given the likes of David Luiz's red card against Wolves. And if Aguero doesn't do what he does with taking his penalty and they... I, I can't remember what the score was at the time. Was it 1-0 to City? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if they went 2-0 up, I don't... Chelsea wouldn't have come back from that. So I don't think those games... The, the semi-finals, different story. But... And you mentioned Stefan, he had a shocker for the He did Chelsea have a shocker, goal. yeah. So I with Edison in goal and City focused, because this this has been what City have been mm. playing for for the last 15 mm. years. This is the moment. It's whether that moment becomes too much for City, where they then capitulate. But I think City's City squad's just full of winners. I don't see them full of winners. The, I mean, yeah. but if you look at the past few years, whenever things have, whenever they've got into hard straights in the Champions League, they've 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 fallen back. I mean, look at their game against Lyon. Lyon were an awful team last season. I mean, they 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 didn't have much going forward, and I mean, they weren't very good defensively. Let's be honest. So, and Man City fell at that hurdle. They've I can't remember who they lost against two years ago, but they've never made it to the Champions League final before. And yeah. and so why why I mean they've made it this year obviously but why why mentally can they go that final hurdle? There's nothing to show that they can do. Whereas well, Chelsea, I mean, admittedly they lost the final, but they they've got a winning mentality which I don't believe Man City I necessarily do in a cup. Completely disagree. Wow. <laughs> I mean, City have won ten out of the last fifteen domestic trophies. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, I mean, the Capital One Cup is that a trophy at this point? It's effectively it the, man, the ma- number one number one prize of the season. What are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> it was nail biting. What are you on about? <laughs> um, and, the other thing I would add onto what Jack was saying is that 
back to my um, thing about the Carabao Cup final, where City won 6-0 a few weeks prior against Chelsea and then drew 0-0 in the final and won on penalties. I actually think the fact that Guardiola played such a weird team and a weird formation against Chelsea in the league only a few weeks ago might play into City's advantage because there's a, Chelsea, if City would have played their full-strength team and won, then Chelsea might have been able to learn from that because they'd have physically been playing against sort of a replica of what they'll see in the final. Whereas because... Um, and then much like we saw with that Carabao Cup final, they might have worked out how to defend a little bit better. But because playing City's best team is a bit of an unknown for Chelsea because they haven't really faced it. They sort of did under Lampard. But that was a completely different Chelsea. But I actually think City can go in with completely clear minds against a team that they've not really played since since January um, and a, a team that aren't familiar with the way City play either. And it actually might be an advantage that... Um, that the, the Guardiola threw away the, the the previous games against Chelsea. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I was just just as as you were saying that, Ben. I was looking through the Man City starting lineup, and I think I'm starting to slightly play a devil's advocate here. But hmm. Edison in goal never won a European trophy. Walker, Stones, Diaz, Inchenko, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, Foden, Mares, Jesus, Sterling. None of them, barring Fernandino and Shakhtar Donetsk, have ever had any success on the European stage. But neither of Chelsea. Aspilicueta. Uh, no, he joined after they won the Champions League. I think he joined in this. I think he joined yeah, just season in the season. Season after. Right. I'm pretty sure. Aspilicueta. In all honesty, a long time ago, then, no. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, I wouldn't expect Jesus or Sterling to be playing um, mm. against Chelsea anyway. I'm, I'm almost certain it's mm. going to be Gundogan. Well, Gundogan's definitely going to play because he's been possibly City's best player this season. And Bernardo Silva will play as well. I think we'll see the same team as in the second leg against PSG. My only slight concern is that Rodri's form has really dipped recently, which means I think Fernandinho is going to play. And obviously, Fernandinho has been very good. But he's also 36 years old, and it does mean that Gundogan does need to drop back a little bit to help him out. So my only slight concern is is that holding the field position and if City miss a load of chances, which they were very capable of doing, which is exactly what they did in the Carabao Cup final against Spurs. So, yeah, they're, they're my only two concerns, I think. And you mentioned uh, Zinchenko starting a left-back. Is that because Cancelo's injured or does Zinchenko just start ahead of Cancelo based uh, on recent form? Zinchenko has been phenomenal in recent yeah. weeks. I think I don't. I think Cancelo has been playing okay. I think in the first leg against PSG, Cancelo did a few sloppy passes, and he also got a bit of a cheap yellow card. And then Guardiola subbed him, and then Zinchenko came in a sub in that game and was like, exceptional. He was even more exceptional in the second leg against PSG. Yeah. Some fantastic blocks, and he did that great um, run from Edison's goal kick. And since then, every time Zinchenko has played, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, Gonzalo, I don't think, is bad. He got it was very very unlucky to get sent off against Brighton. I have no idea how that was a red card, but no. but I just think Zinchenko has been so good that he's he's a certainty to start unless he picks up an injury. Mm-hmm. And then will it be presumably Bernardo Silva starting as that kind of false nine instead of a Sergio Aguero having a last hurrah or something? Yeah. Like that? yeah. Um, Aguero could come on. I mean, we saw at the weekend just what we're going to be missing next season. He mm-hmm. he, he is still at you know thirty two. He is still a phenomenal player. Um, I don't think you can deny that. Like the way he took both of those goals because they weren't even like you know cheap 
tap in chances, were they? Like they were good mm. goals. He, you know, danced around the Everton defence for the first, and then the the header was just outstanding. Like the technique for that was scary. Like that man is a beast, and I don't think we're gonna ever see anything quite like him at City for a very long time. You know, even if we sign someone like a Kane or a Haaland, yeah, they're brilliant and there's no denying that they are absolutely world-class. But I think Aguero just has that special something. And yeah, it's entirely sentimental and I'm 100% biased, but I just think he is a special, special player. And I'm praying that he has at least a cameo role in this final because I think the very least he deserves after what he's done for this club is to at least play in a Champions League final before he goes. Yeah, not not just as a kind of sentimental sub either, as, as no, he showed, as you were saying mm. against Everton. Say, say City are losing or something like that. I mean, he, he's an effective man to bring off the bench. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I've probably slightly played devil's advocate in this podcast. <laughs> but slightly. I th- slightly. But I think... I am probably on my own in saying that I think Chelsea will win this final. Are the rest of you saying that Man City are comprehensively going to win? You know, you're worrying me now, though, Ben, because the last time this happened was everyone in the podcast said Bayern Munich were going to win. I said PSG advance and PSG won. So yeah, now I'm a little concerned. Yeah. And Bayern did miss a whole load of chances against PSG as well. Stop it! Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam, I don't know. You, you, you... You're scaring me, but I'm still going to stick with my guns and say, see, see, yeah. Wow. I, I don't think I'll be scaring you too much, Mitchell. I've hardly made a very kind of developed argument. I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've shouted about Man City having a lack of Champions League experience when Chelsea have a complete lack of Champions, Champions League experience as well. But um, <laughs> if, 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 you're, if you're all agreed on Man City winning, can we have some exact score lines, do you think? Or is that too, pushing it too yeah, far as you're both City fans? 2-0 to City, I think. 2-0 to City. Mitchell? Yeah, I'm going to go for a 3-1. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And Jack? I think it'll be quite a boring game, personally. <laughs> I think, it, I think it'll be quite CG. But I do think it's just going to be City-dominated and it'll be 2-0. Mm. Or maybe even 3 Ooh. I'm gonna go two 0 Chelsea. I reckon oh. John John Stones will have another calamity. He'll head it back to his keeper, who will head it back to him, and then he'll bicycle kick it into his own net. Or something <laughs> yeah, like. I was gonna say, who do you have scoring for I Chelsea? Mean, I was I was nervous about Stones going into the semi final, but he was so good in the semi final yeah. that I'm feeling maybe too relaxed about him going into this <laughs> final. Yeah, and the good signs for England in the summer as well. Who would have thought that Absolutely. a centre-half partnership of Harry Maguire and John Stones could actually look quite solid? But that's that's a subject for another podcast, guys. Um, mm. I, think, I think we're coming towards the end of this one. Is there anything more you'd like to mention about either of the two finals or anything about football in general? Um, just, you know, a good shout of Blue Moon and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well I think as we wrap up I'll just say once again I'm extremely envious of even you Jack as an Arsenal fan 
Why? Being a coach. <laughs> have you have you tried have you tried supporting coach C United? <laughs> Surprisingly not, no. I I don't think you should in the near future. Because yeah, it's 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 depressing. I mean it's exam season already and being a coach United fan on top of exam season it's it's not good for your mental health, your physical health, anything really. <laughs> but um just We'll have a final little shout out as usual for each of your socials. So Mitchell Ryan, I think uh, I've almost memorized your Twitter handle now, <laughs> having 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 composed so many tweets. But do you want to give us your Twitter? Yeah, Mitch Ryan two five seven two. And Ben? Yeah, Benorthk twenty nine. Benorthk. I love yeah. how you say that every time. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it doesn't actually tell me how you say, how you spell it, but I'm I'm sorry. Work it out as you go along. And, <laughs> and Jack, have you have you started tweeting yet, or is it still a work in progress? Yeah, but yeah, it'll, it'll, I'll pick it up when we sign the likes of Jack Grealish and Messi yeah, and Ronaldo. <laughs> and, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, it's quite a good forward line, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and still wouldn't start over Smith Rowe though, and Saka. Yeah. And still finish eighth. Yeah. Do you have po- posters of Smith Rowe and Saka on your walls, Jack? And do you I, wish, I wish I had. Do you pray in front of them every night before you go to bed? Fake fan. I, I kiss my David Silver yeah. tea every night. Well, um, thank you very much for joining me, guys. And I'll probably see you on a Euros preview yeah. podcast coming up soon. I've, mm-hmm. I've actually received my, my tickets. Actually, I'm going to North Macedonia against the Netherlands, which should be fun. Wow. But yes, um, you'll see an article, many articles probably about that in about a month or so. But thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on another one very soon. Thank you. Bye.